thank you for coming today, David. Pleasure. Uh, um, just a little bit on your background, uh, David. You came to Montreal and did your MFA uh, at Concordia in 1997 from Ontario. And your 77. 77. And your paintings have been shown in galleries and museums from Montreal and Toronto to Mexico, Taiwan, mm -hmm. and the Sketch Republic. And you've taught at Concordia one way or another for around 25 years, mm -hmm. and you're currently chair of Studio Arts. Um, so I'm being a working artist. Uh, and part of your family life, I'm sure, has been a challenge. You've got four kids at home, and they're all grown now, but uh, we'd love to hear some, some more stuff about you and, and your background. Um, well, today is March 8th, <laughs> and it's, it's freezing cold outside, and I'm really happy to be here in the gallery with David. Um, well, uh, so I guess one of the first questions is, uh, What's your sort of working process? Um, well, they're all started with collage. I mean, my working process, initial working process, is to, is to cut things up, organize them. And I guess I see them a bit like making, as poetry. And uh, the whole process, the initial process, is to use imagery a bit like a poet would use words, seeing where there's resonance, seeing where there's uh, kind of rhythms that, that, that work well together. It's pretty open-ended. I think I have some sort of basic you know, maybe subjects that I'm attracted to. Um, but at the very beginning, it's open-ended, and then stuff begins to congeal, and then I begin to have a series of three or four paintings that begin to resemble each other, and four or five, and I begin to see that there's a kind of a, a train of thought, or a, you know, mm -hmm. some kind of a creative, um, um, suite yeah. that, that's going on. So that's really it. I mean, it's quite simple. Um, the work here is roughly a year and a half of, of production, mostly done a year ago. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where it begins. Okay, and um, so you do work with like a photographic base or yeah, just I, art? Or? I, use, I use photography, I use drawings, I use um, found photos, I use ones that I've taken. Mm -hmm. um, in this show, there's a couple of things that, that I've taken. The, the rabbit is a taxidermied rabbit that's in my studio. Mm -hmm. um, there's a fragment in a number of the paintings of a, of a constructed room that I built mm -hmm. out of paper mm -hmm. and cardboard and then took digital pictures of and then used. So I sometimes, if I don't find what I'm looking for just in the debris, that I have in, in my filing cabinets, mm -hmm. um, then I, I make the thing, I construct the thing. Um. Okay. Um, now, looking at your work, we see a lot of, there's a lot of elements that look really familiar in a lot of ways. You know, some of, in, the, in art terms, uh, there's the use of, well, I see some op art elements, mm -hmm. and then um, the white ground in the, in the painting, and are they, how do you describe the, using those those techniques or the, those those elements to the work? Are they well? I think I'm a really formal painter, and I mean I, I've always been a figurative painter, and I grew up. I mean, my initial interest in painting comes from when I was a teenager in London, Ontario, where artists like Greg Curnow and Jack Chambers and and uh, and John Boyle were working in what I guess I would call a sort of pop-infused populism, you know, uh, mm -hmm. pictures about their life, pictures about things in their life, 
occasionally with a kind of Canadian political slant. Um, so that's that's where I come from. That that sense of making thing, making pictures about the world, but. My coming of age at school and as an artist was in the was in the late '60s and '70s, and the other side of that coin was abstraction. And so I grew up in a period where the dominant mode of painting was abstract painting, whether it was op or whether it was you know hard edge or color field or whatever. Um, and I moved to Montreal in the in the in the mid late '70s, and of course you know the plasticien and artists like Guido and Eve and Toussignel were, were, were kind of the language of, of painting in this city. So I mean, I admire that painting. I love that painting. I like its visceral, uh, retinal kind of charge. Um, but I can't do it, you know? It's, right. not, it's not my language. So I, I was conscious in these paintings, especially in the small room, the ones that are stripes. Mm -hmm. I was actually conscious of using the language of, um, uh, post-painterly abstraction, okay. um, grids, stripes, um, those sorts of things. So, in this particular body of work, yeah, it's it's your just you seeing those things is is a clue to one of the things that was on my mind when I made them. But because the whole painting isn't, it's, you're not reproducing them; they're reproduced as element, like a historical element or an element you're dropping in. It, it's uh, quotes. Yeah, they're quotes. Yeah, I mean, they're all like, quotes in a way. I mean, all of when you use collage, you are, you know, it is, it is sampling or quoting or whatever word you want, yeah. you want to use. And I think that there is an art historical kind of subplot to, to my work and probably to most artists' work. You know, if you're informed about mm -hmm. contemporary art history, you, you're going to say, oh, okay, there's something in there uh, in this work. Um, so that's there for sure, but I, I, what I like is sort of playing sort of all, uh, games. For instance, I mean, I might be thinking of Agnes Martin, someone who mm -hmm. is really sublime and esoteric as, a, as, a, as an artist, but I, I may deal with it using these funny little faces from the computer, you know, these little, right. you know, two eyes and slit mouth form. So it, it, it's not a, a put down or it's not a, uh, a burlesque uh, uh, of what she was about, but the gray on white, the the off white on white, these sorts of things. I really, frankly, was thinking of her on occasion, which seems odd because my work is very different right. from hers. But I mean, that's part of it. Uh, um, I think the other part of it is that they are probably function. Most of these paintings, and I think a lot of my work functions a bit like a still life like an almost a Baroque still life with just elements of the world, a pineapple, an apple, a, a skull, a, you know, a, a, stuffed, a stuffed animal, a, you know. Um, so they operate a little bit like that in that, that they are um, a relatively naked display of elements in the world, like here you go, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. this is what we have here. Um, what I find really interesting by looking at them, um, for me it reminds me a little bit of what Berger was saying about ways of seeing in terms of how um, we kind of look at things before we place a word on them. Mm -hmm. And so this, it's like you've almost created your own language of reading things. And I can see sometimes the way that the composition works, they are quite linear, the way we read, read them. Like he was saying, uh, Paul was alluding to a quote but um, there's not really one focal point, I think. It's just your eye travels kind of around uh, the composition and we kind of uh, 
create this mental map for maybe uh, something from the everyday that you've related um, to a, maybe a specific emotion or word or something that represents something and mm -hmm. everybody kind of gets a reference from that. So that's what I find really interesting in, in relation to the everyday, how you put this kind of symbol, symbols together. So. Well, in, in the paintings in the room we're in now, I mean, I was conscious of them being um, even-handed and quite ordinary and, and very naked. And that whole idea that you're talking about with Berger, about seeing th something for the first time. You know, we, we're, we're sort of overwhelmed with imagery and certainly an artist that uses collage pays the price of, of giving yet another version of um, scrambling and reinterpreting the world. Um, which could well just turn everyone off because we've already seen so much. Um, but in these ones here, I've attempted to make it kind of relatively even-handed, almost dumb in its simplicity, mm -hmm. like a, 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 a primer um, in grade school or like a calendar or an agenda, and it, hoping that it, it, it makes the things naked again and that yeah. the, the recombination of them is is somehow information basically it becomes like a filter I guess for you of all the things around us and how you filter that information to talk about just one painting you know or one motion or a couple of words well that's the idea is that, that, that yeah I mean I, I, it's intuitive when you think the thing works and it doesn't you know yeah. for each of the paintings here there's been a lots of effort to kind of through collage and actually in changing the paintings to kind of get it right and so I guess are you, are you working um, all at paintings all at the same time? <laughs> How do you set yourself up, or do you just work on one specific work and then go to the next? I usually have three going at the same time. Okay. I usually have three paintings going at the same time and different degrees of completion. Um, when I'm working on a really big canvas like this one, that that normally is, you know, uh, I will have because of the procedure uh, and the complexity of flipping it around, because some of it I'm painting upside down. Um, flipping the canvas and working upside down to get it to, to be able to reach. Um, then I'm just working on one, just because I have to kind of clear the studio to be able to, to be able to, to manipulate it. But the more medium-sized canvases, I would typically have three going at once and, and um, in various stages of completion. Uh, I'm wondering about your palette, like for each painting. Do you, do you think of, like this one, the big one here is, uh, you know, working with Mm, yellow. A, yellow, a lot of yellow, and you know, there's a green and a purple and things. But are are you are you do you set that out deliberately at the beginning? Of the um, work well, it comes in the collage stage. I mean, I, I'm working things out in the collage stage. I've used yellow quite a bit in my work over the years, and in the older work, I used a black ground often. So mm -hmm. it was yellow on black, which had this kind of alarming um, uh, look to it. But I've continued to use yellow a fair bit. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the coordination or the orchestration of color is, is part of what, what happens in the, in the collage stage. Um, Do you want to go tell us a bit more about yellow? Like, it just, like what, what is that for you? Uh, well, I guess it's, I mean, it's sort of a supercharged color. It's the one that, you know, according to Itten, you use less of yellow than any other color you know, in terms of its punch, you don't need very much yellow. The classic sort of lemon in a still life, you mm -hmm. know, uh, is enough, or 
your your headphones, you know, is plenty, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think often as a painter or as an artist, you're you're trying to get away with things. You're sort of saying, okay, let's try this with largely a yellow um, point of departure, or this one here. I was attempting to work just in a kind of that almost that Whistler, you know, the Whistler's mother thing of you mm -hmm. know arrangement in gray, you know. So, and I was thinking of my parents and of another generation when I did this you know, older movies, black and white movies, daguerreotypes, that kind of thing. So I was attempting to do something with a kind of a palette that was a bit like, you know, just reminiscent Fox about, Talbot or yeah. Gumprince right. or Miliez yeah. or, so I mean, it can be like that. I mean, I could, I don't even remember, but I mean, I do enjoy looking at silent film, mm -hmm. um, uh, including Miliez mm -hmm. um, and old movies. So I mean, they'll be triggered by different things. I suspect this one comes out of that appreciation I have for, for that period of creative time, early cinema, early photography, mm -hmm. um, where other paintings may have a link to, to other things in my kind of cultural okay. playpen. <laughs> I was just reading uh, Chromophobia. Have you read that ever? No, no, no it's, a great, it's a it's great a, title. It's, yeah. it's a book. Uh, well, it's about the. It starts with the thesis that that white is uh, like this masculine color and color a masculine uh, ground. Okay. To to have uh, the ability to empty a space and make a white space is a a kind of an assertion of or wow. of, of your ability to remove that interesting um, people and uh, humanity from the world okay. and that, that color is a more feminine uh, interjection or so, so that, that this relationship of the white space to color is kind of uh, a tension that I, you know, yeah. I, I think when you're playing with it in these works, I find it really, I, I, just because I've just been reading this book, it, it really okay. kind of is coming to, to uh, I'm really conscious of that okay. idea. But, so I guess when I'm talking about your use of color and that, I'm, I'm also thinking of these, you know, sort of uh, socialized ideas of how we deal with space, you know, and you're, the way you've, you've kind of, like, the, the white ground, it's still a ground, it's not like, you know, it's the background to the, the piece and the, and, the, and the elements are laid on top. Uh, it's, um, yeah, uh, I, I didn't think of it in terms of gender. I, I, I often think of it in terms of art history. Mm -hmm. And I spent about 10 years or more working on largely dark, dark grounds, sort of galactic grounds, mm -hmm. black uh, spaces with stars and sort of spray areas that created that, that very, very deep Baroque space. Yes. Um, and almost like a black velvet painting where spatial effects were really easy to achieve because you're using a, a black ground so things jump out like mm -hmm. a, you know. Um, but I, I don't know at what point, probably five or six years ago, I just thought, okay, let's try the other side of the coin. Yeah. I think it is a bit of a yin and yang that I, that I worked on with the, all that time on black grounds and then sort of moving into this more naked. I see it a bit more naked and I, you know, I, 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 I'm really anal and, and so they, they, they look a bit sort of uptight, but I mean, I think one of the artists that, that, that I've always admired is, is Philip Gustin and I always liked his kind of really simple sort of collecting of 
alphabets almost, you know, of, of the sorts of imagery he was going to use, a, a shoe, uh, you know, a book, uh, you know, those kinds of things. So I think a, a few years ago I just began to say, okay, what do I use? And let's just kind of get them out there on these white grounds and just see, see what they are, a bit like just spreading, spreading your repertoire in front of you in a very straightforward way and not clouding or disguising it with kind of atmosphere of, of space. So that's a little bit, I guess, of the way I've been thinking the last few years, but, but I got a feeling that is probably shifting too. I think sure. the, the paintings in the other room are moving in a different direction in terms of space. Sounds good. Let's go look at them. Okay. Of using the white, and they're, they're much more about bending. I mean, I'm trying to sort of bend space and in different ways. Yeah, um, you have to explain how you do that. Why you just kind of try, and if it works, it works, you know, but it's like, you know, I mean, this is what I want to do a bit more of, is that, like what you see here, the fact that the, it looks as though the, the, the sort of very um, palette knife version of the flower is casting a shadow on the sky, and the sky sort of leans back, and like the cards do this. I want to do a bit more of that. I, 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 I'm trying to get away. I want to experiment, you know, a little bit more with digital manipulation before I start to paint. Who knows? I mean, that's what I'm saying to you now, but I mean, who knows? Who knows, you know? right. <laughs> it's, it's, you know um, but what's interesting but, is how you contain them. Like, how do you, how, you did, how do you decide how many go into that space? And, you know, that, the way that you've manipulated those swatches or those patterns, you know, and, and kind of squish them all in. How does that work for you when you're in the studio? Like, how do you? Well, I mean, again, they're, they're worked out with collages, but they don't, I mean, this one I've struggled with a bit, the, the, where the star is now, there were a couple of other elements before the star appeared. I mean, I, okay. I, I think you, I mean, I just put out um, for myself to work with the, the, the ingredients that I think will um, create the poetry that I'm after, the, the particular feelings or qualities that I'm after in the painting. Yeah. But they are a lot about compression. I like the idea of a painting being uh, a sealed rectangle, that the limits are the limits of that rectangle. And there is a kind of compression inbuilt in that, where even the little bits of white that, are, that remain become important. But it's about kind of pressure cooking. In this case, I'm pressure cooking four or five elements, and I'm really um, squeezing them by stretching them using Photoshop and also putting them together in a more or less, more or less using stripes um, in the picture, which is another kind of compression. Um, so it's kind of an inverse, basically, to what's going on out there, because you have all these breathing spaces between. A little between bit, a little bit, yeah, the, out there. Are, are being I would, connected or stitched yeah. together. I mean, aside from the big rabbit, which is a different painting, but the other ones out there are, 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 are grids, roughly. With, right. with large breathing spaces between between each element on the grid, okay. whereas these are these are squeezed and uh, under pressure, mm -hmm. um, partly because of their the, the the composition I'm using, and partly because I'm using Photoshop much more here to okay. to pull things to to right, to stretch right. them up this way and right. and and uh, and thin them out. So so is this a new uh, thing that you're sort of exploring right now? Yeah, I, I've used it before um, in in even the last show and even the, perhaps the show bef the show before 
like I've used it about five or six years now. I've been playing with with very very simple manipulations in Photoshop. Um, I, I I want them to to obviously they do something um, for me that I like or I wouldn't use it, but I don't mm -hmm. want them to be so obviously manipulated digitally that right. that is sort of what you feel and it sort of stinks of a computer obsession computer computer manipulation so so that's that's kind of the balance I'm trying to I'm trying to achieve so uh, would you mind taking us through perhaps this painting here in, okay. in front of us uh, uh, and just talk about how you see the colors and the elements put together like is that it, let's just start with the uh, the op. What do you? I don't know, how do you call that? Kind of the blue and red. Uh, yeah, it's like a simultaneous contrast. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah afterburn kind afterburn. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this one is maybe one of the most obvious in terms of it being like a deck of cards where you're shuffling, where I'm kind of combining you know, the figurative elements and, and that sort of what I mentioned before, that sort of Baroque still life quality where you have flowers, you have the butterfly, you have a small kind of domestic um, space. And then um, sandwiched between those three elements, I have this sort of disco op abstraction. Um, it's, it's, it's maybe the most obvious sort of uh, kind of, um, you know, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, construction of that. But it, it worked. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's um, I think I began with the butterfly and the, the optical bit on the right. And mm -hmm. I just really loved the way the violet and the, and the lime green and the, and the salmon color worked with the butterfly. Mm -hmm. And then it began to just sort of go from there. This is one where the collage evolved while I was making it. Um, the collage had several versions. Right. So with these these particular paintings, the collage um, was evolved enough for me to begin, and then the collage was worked at the same time as I was working the painting. So sections would change. The section where the flower is now was something else before. Mm -hmm. the, some, the place where the, uh, the, the, the blue and orange had another possibility. Um, so these were these were um, a little bit like gambling or playing cards mm -hmm. or playing games of chance. These particular paintings, and and I knew that I was going to vaguely have four to six sort of elements occurring along a horizontal mm -hmm. uh, canvas in these vertical zips. But I I wasn't you know locked into a particular construction um, with these ones. Okay, so I see that you start off with the butterfly and then you add the dots on the right. And is it sort of like trying to upset the painting beautifully when you're adding more elements? You know, like, uh, so what would your next one, what would the next part be? Well, it's a bit that way and sometimes you go too far. I mean, I'm, I tend to put too much in a painting. I tend to be about the bounty Right. of the world and as opposed to the kind of the kind of um, slim volume of, of uh, information available to us I tend to be more encyclopedic in terms of my mm -hmm. saying look mm -hmm. look at all this stuff you know mm -hmm. so where where I struggle 
is putting too much in a picture mm -hmm. and um, and I, 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 I mean probably in all of these I, I probably could have worked with fewer elements you know um, that's what I would say now but in the making you get kind of caught up in trying things out and mm -hmm. experimenting with things and uh, well just to go back to the white space it, it that does to me sort of give it a background of calm you know like it like it is this it is this kind of uh, underlying stability that you can handle a lot in a way like when you leave the white well I think uh, the ones I've chosen for the show um, there are three of them that have quite a lot of white space and I like that and I, there were other paintings that didn't make it to the show right. and they tended to be a little bit more full so I do I do in the I did in the end um, prefer the paintings which sort of hang you out the way this one does on the right side or this one even with that little chunk of an apartment sort mm -hmm. of just floating sort of you know to, to the right or or this one where you can kind of go under the sky and around the, the deck of cards so um, I think yeah I mean the, with these that was the balancing act between a kind of um, filling you up as a spectator and filling me up as the artist with the right ingredients, you know, mm -hmm. like a kind of a five course meal, I guess, you know, but, you know, n not to have the paintings feel bloated or, or you know, um, uh, uh, overly charged. So, in a way, it's really as simple as that, you know, the, the mechanics of doing these. Um, I just wanted to say, I find them also extremely cinematic, almost like reading like a film strip and or film aesthetic somehow, mm -hmm. because there's this push-pull also between each um, segment. And I was wondering how time and maybe memory plays in these, because I feel that much more than the other ones. Okay. Could you maybe respond to that? Well, I think they are kind of romantic in a way and sentimental. I mean, I've, I think I am a sentimental painter, you know, and uh, it's perhaps not as outrageous now, but I, I, there were periods earlier on in my career where making pictures that were obviously sentimental seemed somehow problematic, you know, because things were supposed to be tough and kind of rigorous and all of those, those sorts of features. Um, they are sentimental uh, paintings. Um, they're they are about memory. They're they're perhaps even, you know, big themes of mortality and heaven and you know afterlife and you know those sorts of things. I I think are present as sort of. I mean, I don't make a picture and say this is a painting where sure. I attempt to 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 paint heaven the way right. say William Blake might have or. Tintoretto might have, or you know, um, but I do think those things are are in the work, and I think yeah, they're particularly in these paintings. Here, you know, standing in this room, it just feels the ambiance is quite different to what we were sort of looking at and the way that you were describing them. And I, I, again, you're saying it's an you're, it's an evolution somehow, and this is where your work maybe is going. And it's just interesting to to uh, with everything that we've said, how we're coming back to this now as an idea, maybe, or um, to think about your work? Well, the, 
I mean, in the end, the, my pictures, like I think any, uh, most pictures, are enigmatic. You don't really know what they're about, and you don't even really know why you made them. Yeah. You know, in an interview like this, you're you're asked to kind of speak about them, which is which is fine and a natural sure. human dialogue. Yeah. But um, I, I do know that 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 I um, I'm preoccupied with. Um, like all human beings, with sort of big subjects, you know, of, of love and family and death and mortality and all of those things. And I suspect they're there. I suspect yeah. that's part of the thematic of these. Right. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm particularly fond of this one, and I think in some ways I do see it as a kind of a funny religious painting. You know, it's secular. I, I can't. What is you, the name of this one? Phantom Engineer. So it's the one that provided the, the show with the title. And I mean, Phantom Engineer comes from, it's a, it was the working title for a Bob Dylan song. And, uh, and um, I know you're a big music fan. Like, we, we just had yeah. a little chat, chit chat about that. I'm sure music is also, has made a huge contribution to how you look at your work. And I see so much rhythm and movement and, um, yeah, that's part of it. Cinema music, as you as you are. You popular, observe, just yeah, right? pop, part yeah. of what your makeup yeah. is and how you dress popular culture. But Phantom Engineer, I mean, it's, I mean, it, for me, it's just a wonderful word, you know. And I I, I see this as a kind of a code word for God, you know. Phantom, okay. You know, whoever is out there pulling the strings, creating the energies that 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 make things happen. So, you know. I, I mean, that's, I think that's part of what, you know, what art is about, is that kind of attempting to sort of, you know, each artist in their own way to reveal something about that mystery, about what we're doing here. Um, yeah. That's wonderful. Wonderful, vulnerable sensibility. And thank you so much, David. Oh, I hope we haven't... Uh, wagged your ear too much oh, today. Oh, no. no, not at all. I probably... it, it's a large body of work. Everybody should come down and see it because it's just a wonderful feeling to be here. And uh, I hope I hope everybody comes and sees all this. It's how many pieces are in the show? This uh, exactly there are eleven paintings and two prints. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I hope we've we've talked a lot, but it's because there's so much before our eyes, and we're just really, really, really amazed and and taken in. So thanks, David. Oh, thank Appreciate you. it thank very thank much. You. Thank you, David. Yeah.